today on CityCast Denver. When residents of Globeville and Elyria Swansea look across the street to the beautiful new National Western Center being built between them, they don't see much in it for them. I've been here my whole life. There is absolutely no benefit having the National Western as my neighbor. If if I could even call them my neighbor. Today is Monday, July 12th, 2021. I'm Xander McMahon, and this is CityCast Denver. How about some news? It's going to be another hot one with a high near 96. But don't worry, there's a chance rain will cool things off this afternoon. Over the weekend, Denver police arrested four people and seized 16 long guns, body armor, and thousands of rounds of ammo at the Maven Hotel just down the block from Corus Field. According to Denver 7 News, a hotel housekeeper was cleaning the room and discovered basically what you could call an arsenal. She then told her manager and called the police. Now, obviously, the city is already in a heightened state of alert for the huge All-Star game tomorrow, and this situation probably didn't help. But the FBI in Denver tweeted Sunday that they have no reason to believe that this was a threat directed at the All-Star game, and they are working with local law enforcement to keep tomorrow's game a safe one. Okay, maybe something a little lighter to close us out? Eliges has a new rule that anyone under the age of 16 must be chaperoned, by an adult 21 years or older. Dang, this reminds me of our episode about new eulogies versus old eulogies, where we talked about how the best part of going as a kid was that feeling of freedom. I guess new eulogies is more concerned about quote-unquote unruly teenagers than preserving the independent spirit of children. Oh well, the park might be seeing its final days this summer anyways. For 100 years, this one area in Denver has been treated like shit. I don't know how else to describe it. Every time some big development plan comes through Globeville and Elyria Swansea, it never ends up benefiting the people who have lived there for generations. It just pushes them around. Take the I-70 expansion. City officials announced years ago that they were going to expand the highway where it runs through the neighborhood and throw a park on top. But what have the residents who live in the area gotten out of this Central 70 project? displacement, and horrible air quality as the construction continues and eminent domain takes people's homes away. Well, a group of organized neighbors have had enough. Not just of the I-70 expansion, but also of another development project that's butting up against their homes, the National Western Center. Um, I have my, uh, my uh, Xbox gaming headset on. Nice. Very high tech. Alfonso Espino is a lifelong resident of the area and a community organizer with the Globeville Elyria Swansea Coalition, or GES for short. I invited him and the coalition's director, Nola Miguel, on the show to tell me about their campaign to take back control of the Triangle, which is just a small piece of the land being redeveloped into the new National Western Center, right between Globeville and Elyria Swansea. It's the future home of the Stock Show and a Colorado State University campus, and they want a piece of the action. Nola and Alfonso, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hi. Thank you, Xander, for having us. It's a pleasure. Nola, what is the significance of the triangle and what you all are pushing for now? 
this land was purchased with public dollars that was voter approved to build out the National Western. The first couple phases are, are already happening. Um, if you go by there, you'll see you know large scale CSU buildings already being built. And that's on the more Western side of the campus. We've been organizing in the Global Irresponsia neighborhoods around equitable development and recently re released a report, which you can see at wedecidethefuture.net. And a lot of the things that we've learned is that what we need, what is really equitable, what would repair and heal uh, the harms that have been done to this community, we're not going to get that through an agreement where the developer controls the situation. So what we're looking for is a shift in that, really a shift in um, who's controlling the land in particular, and then who is rolling out the development. And our, the shift that we're asking for is that that be controlled by the community. Now there's kind of this opportunity to do something different, to do something really transformative, to talk about land reparations in a real way. And so we are looking at reclaiming that land for the community and for populations that have been the most marginalized uh, in Denver, what that would look like is that the triangle is about 60 acres. There are some buildings in the triangle that will have city facilities in it that, that are part of the overall National Western Campus, but the 42 acres are kind of more open. What we would like to see is really a neighborhoodization of the rest of that land. So housing, um, retail that's run and owned by folks in the community. And Alfonso, I know you grew up in this neighborhood. Would you mind sharing a bit about your experience living there and why this campaign and, you know, this push to help the neighborhood is really important to you? The way that, it sh that I've always seen it, the way that I've always viewed it up until very recently is that these neighborhoods were almost separate to the city. It did, you know, they weren't integrated into the city, I think is the best way to put it. And I think that the site itself, the National Western Complex, is also a part of that reality of how, you know, a little kid like me would feel walking around the neighborhood. You know, the the campus itself, it all felt like some um, separate entity. And recently, you could see that that's changing. The most craziest thing about seeing like the whole I-70 viaduct go down as as a little kid, now an adult that grew up there, is that you could quite physically see the reintegration into the city of the neighborhoods. For us, it means gentrification and development at a high pace in a neighborhood that's been marginalized and underdeveloped historically. And we hope that we can push back against it through this campaign, acquiring the land and integrating the National Western complex with those 42 acres into the neighborhood because it's never actually been the case. So it's you're seeing this integration, but you're not seeing like the people get integrated with it as well. Like the people who are living there be included in that, that integration with the city. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I think you could see it if you actually look at the city's plans, like Blueprint Denver, they want it to be uh, more dense, densely populated because of the, you know, the history of industrialism here. And then if you look at the plans by the National Western Complex, if you walk by, you can see some of the first CSU buildings are already going up. Their target is never to integrate the complex into the neighborhood. It's the other way around. You know, one of the things that we talked to um, with some architects about this is the fact that the design itself is, is meant to be like this grandiose, huge complex that's for definitely not targeted for community. It's targeted uh, for these big spectacles, right? And and everything reflects that down from like the administration uh, all the way to the design and how they want it to look like. 
And you mentioned land reparations. I, I definitely want to talk more about this idea of reparations. Can you tell me more, Alfonso, about what kinds of reparations you're thinking of? Like, is it returning people's homes that have been lost or what form would that take? I think, um, you know, bad faith actors that, you know, attack the idea of reparations always talk about the difficulty in, you know, uh, having a monetary value placed on this this harm that can't really be quantified. And I think that that is the opposite way that that a conversation about reparations should ever be taken. You know, I think the conversation, first and foremost, has to uh, start with the victims and the descendants of that history. Right. So you don't start the conversation about reparations in our community with the city doing that. Right. The, the actor, the institutions uh, that are responsible for producing up until very recently, one of the most polluted zip codes in the entire country, which is the 80216. Some of the poorest right neighborhoods, most underdeveloped, lacking infrastructure. You don't start that conversation with the city leading the charge. You start the conversation with the people that have experienced that, right? And when we present to you a solution that is organized by the community, it's a vision and a solution being presented by the community, that's the best way because every community knows their needs the best. I mean, I think one of the most pressing things is obviously affordable housing. And our next steps are to start meeting with city councilors and starting with this community-led planning process, what really that could look like and how we how we start to move towards community-owned land. You know, the mechanism for, for doing that is is the community land trust that we've been working on for years now called Tierra Colectiva. Land trusts are intended to develop things that the market isn't doing. And so far, we've really focused on affordable housing because that's the biggest need in the community right now. But other things like a grocery store, I mean, we've been told, you know, there's no way that we can get a grocery store in the neighborhood because there's, you know, it's not feasible. It's not, uh, they're never going to come in. So by by having a different orientation and not being focused just on on profit, we're able to do a lot of different things that is going to benefit marginalized populations. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned the community land trust because I know that one of that's one of the things that you all did after this big I-70 fight was that you set up this community land trust where residents own the land together and the houses on top of the land can be sold for more affordable rates. Um, and I know it's opened a lot of doors for first-time home buyers who often get priced out of this really expensive market. So how does the community land trust model connect with what you're hoping to achieve at the Triangle on the National Western Center land? I mean, there's definitely needs to be mechanisms for how, how do you hold the land. The community land trust can fill that role. It doesn't necessarily mean that the land trust long-term would own all of those 42 acres. That's a possibility. But what we would like to see is the community land trust be able to work with you know, other potential partners, um, like we were saying, that, that represent other marginalized populations in Denver as well. We're centered in Global Responsi because that's where this is, and that's where the most impact is from overall from the National Western Center. But definitely longer term reparations for indigenous folks, reparations for black folks in Denver, those things are super important as well. And we are, you know, in active conversations with other organizations um, that would also like to potentially develop on this site, that would also like to see, you know, black owned businesses or native owned businesses. So how do we figure out those those partnerships and relationships overall and building out what the site could look like will be super critical. And that may involve 
the land trust, you know, long-term as the landowner or, or it may not. And that's a way to help create the mechanism that is affordable at the, at the onset, you know, so by taking the, the cost of the land out, also by giving funders and investors that guarantee that subsidy or any dollars that come in are, are forever. It's not just a kind of one-term set of residents that would get that benefit, but that it's, it's in perpetuity. So that affordability would last forever. I wonder, is there a broader significance to you all picking this as the target for the campaign? I mean, uh, there is. I mean, obviously, uh, the most glaring reason is that if you look at a map of North Denver, right in between uh, the actual uh, residential portions of Globeville and Deliria Swansea is this huge complex, which is the National Western Center. But the bigger significance of uh, demanding reparations on this land from this institution, you know, is deeply, in my opinion, connected to the history of oppression and colonization of this country. You know, we're talking about an institution that was founded on facilitating the stock and, and trade of capital uh, by, you know, what are the homesteaders or the descendants of the homesteaders, which are quite literally the colonizers of the Western portion of the United States of America. You know, th- these are, are, are the people that benefited and an institution organized around uh, facilitating their livelihoods that are directly responsible for the displacement and the killing of the indigenous people of the Western portion of the United States. In terms of our neighborhood, you know, in the more recent history, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's an institution that only knows how to, you know, extract, right? I've been here my whole life. There is absolutely no benefit having the National Western as my neighbor, Right. If we if I could even call them my neighbor, I, it feels like I'm more of a nuisance to them. Right. I'm not I'm not the sort of population that they would like to see inhabiting these neighborhoods, especially not in the long term future. If the National Western and the city got their way, you know, if you look at the mission statement of the new CSU campus, they want to be a global hub uh, for agricultural uh, research and and water research, right? Like a global hub, and I think that's that's really audacious. And you know, forgive my language, but you know that's pretty ballsy to be leading a conversation globally on on food insecurity when when this is one of the most food insecure neighborhoods today in the city of Denver. This can't be a conversation being driven by them. This can't be a development that's being developed by them. This has to come from us, the people that need it the ones that can address what needs to be done and the ones that can create a vision and move it forward and steward the land in a way that reflects, you know, the poor, the the working class, the black and brown and indigenous bodies that have been a part of this land's history for a very long time. Well, Nola and Alfonso, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, tell your mom about us, tell your dad, I don't know. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. And thanks for listening. Was that good? Okay. Yeah, it's running running out of air.